And why do they sound like right. they're a 13 year old kid? Right, I, I'm not going to answer that. I'm going to use Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I'm not going to answer even that. If, even if I knew the answer, I'm not telling you. Our question of the day What will be the biggest in game difference what about this us? year? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. BYU women's basketball power forward Lauren Gustin is the number one in the country in defensive rebounds at over 10 a game. She's number two in double-doubles on the season, and that's only because she's played fewer games than the number one player in that category. Now she and BYU face a huge task hosting unbeaten and 15th-ranked Utah tomorrow in the Marriott Center. Here's Lauren Gustin one-on-one on BYU Sports Nation. Lauren, first and foremost, I should congratulate you on nine straight double-doubles, although it got a little bit weird in the stat <laughs> broadcast in the Utah State game, and we thought it may have ended, but they made some corrections. Mm-hmm. So where, where are you mentally in that process of trying to keep that streak alive and then looking at stat sheets and whatnot? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's exciting. It's a great, I feel like accomplishment so far. Um, I just got to make sure to, you know, put the, the team first and the team win comes first. Um, and if I get the double, double, that's great. Um, the win's the most important thing right now. I'm just trying to keep in mind, but it's, it's been fun so far. I'm, um, lucky to have teammates around me that, you know, have put me in those situations to, get me those double doubles and my coach coach to trust me to, you know, get those minutes and whatnot. So it's, it's really, I think everyone contributing um, and everyone's helped me be in the position to be able to get those. So. Uh, an incredible feat. I mean, you're nine for nine this season. I'm going to rewind to the game with Carroll college because mm-hmm. your team had the win in hand. It, it had, you know, blown up to a 20 plus point lead, but there was this, drama of is Lauren Gustin going to get enough rebounds <laughs> are people telling you what you need on the bench or are you com- entirely unaware um if I'm like close like my coach will be like you know like one two more like just kind of in the in a mindset so I can kind of know a little bit of what's going on um and usually at halftime um I'll have a good either just estimate in my head or Um, You can see, you know, see the stats on some scoreboards and whatnot. So I'll kind of have a good little gauge from there. Um, But a lot of the time, I feel like I'm just, I'm like so dialed into the actual game. I don't really realize exactly what's, what I have or what I don't have, but I can kind of have a little estimate, but I mean, they'll, they'll keep me in check if I'm close, you know? I I love that. That good coaches and good teammates do (laughs) that, right? When you got streaks going and, and uh, like you said, the win is secured, the wins first, but might as, might as well push for that. I should also notify you that if you didn't know, you were the number one overall pick in our BYU sports nation, fantasy basketball draft, men's and women's teams. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's a testament to your work on the floor for sure. Okay, with the double-doubles in mind, and certainly BYU could use that help with a very good Utah team coming into the Marriott Center on Saturday. What do you know about Utah women's basketball right now, and, and what's the game plan at this point? Mm-hmm. Um, well, they're a great team. Um, they're undefeated. They're the number one scoring team in the nation right now. Um, so we know that you know they're going to push and transition a lot. They're going to get a lot of shots up. Um, they also are very, like, well-balanced team um all the girls can score um they all get 
pretty similar playing time as well. So they're just well balanced all around. You know, there's not really a weak link or whatnot. Um, so we just got to come in prepared to be able to, you know, guard all five, um, take care of the ball, especially, um, especially after a Utah State game. You know, we had a lot of turnovers, so we got to really take care of the ball on that and not let Utah speed us up. Uh, they play really fast pace, you know, um, to be able to get all those points that they get in transition. So we got to take control of the game and play um, our style, you know, take advantage of every possession we have and really focus on getting back on transition and not letting them get um, as many opportunities as they want at the basket. So we got to come, all of us have to come in locked in and, and ready to go and um, play our best. Why do you feel like your young team won't be intimidated by what Utah is going to put on the floor? Um, I feel like our, our coaches do a really good job at preparing us for every single team that we've played. Um, they do really well with scout and film and breaking down their style of play. So it kind of helps all of us uh, feel confident in um, our play and what we're bringing to the table when we do play them. I also think a lot of us um, are just hungry and want to just go out and play. Uh, we also have had a pretty tough preseason game uh, schedule so far. So I think that all those games have um, kind of just contributed to, you know, this Utah game. Now this is our second to last preseason game. So I think we've seen a lot of tough and um, good teams. So we're just, I think we're prepared, you know, with all that experience. Lauren Gustin is with us on BYU Sports Nation, getting ready for the Utah game. How do you uh, compartmentalize this game compared to other games? Because it's a very unique rivalry. And, mm -hmm. and saying saying that it's not a rivalry is, you know, being naive. So so how do you approach the rivalry and what does it mean to you? Yeah. Um, well, this is actually my first time playing Utah, so I'm super excited. Um, two seasons ago, I think that it got canceled with COVID. And then last year I actually had COVID when we um, did play Utah. So I'm super excited to be able to play them for my first you know, my first time, uh, be able to be in this rivalry, rivalry game and, uh, be able to compete. So me personally, um, this is like the most excited I've been for the whole preseason schedule. Um, just because it is such a big game, you know, the blue and white game, uh, blue and blue and red game. So I'm excited for that. I'm also just excited to be able to play, um, another high ranked team, you know, they're really good, obviously undefeated. So I think that just kind of gets everyone else a little more hyped up. Um, and then also we want to defend our home court, especially against um, another in-state team. So, How do you feel like you match up at your position with Utah? Yeah, um, they have a really good four and five, um, you know, really athletic. Uh, they like to rebound. So um, I think it's going to be a good matchup. It's definitely going to be battled down there. Um, they have a really physical uh, big post. So that's going to be um, it's gonna be fun to kind of see how that plays out and and whatnot. So, I mean, I'm excited for the matchup. Um, I think I'm going to have to, you know, be smart offensively and defensively, not get in foul trouble, um, really take advantage of running the court and uh, being strong and whatnot, and hopefully get to the foul line a lot. So, um, yeah, I think it should be a good matchup. I'm, I'm excited to see how it plays out. Yeah. What do you think of the underdog role being the underdog on your home floor? Yeah. Um, I think that's, it's definitely a, a different feeling opposed to past seasons, you know? Um, but I think it's, it's a little bit fun. It's kind of like we have not a whole lot to lose, you know? So um, I think that all kind of makes us play better just because we don't have a whole lot of pressure, you know? Um, 
so although it's not you know necessarily the best feeling to be the underdog on your own court I think it's um it's it's motivating to play harder and doesn't put as much like I said not as much pressure it's just kind of like let's go out all out 100% you know fight the whole game because you know we really have nothing to lose so you have won two games in a row. You got your first win streak. You beat mm-hmm. Boise State on the road. You won at Utah State and Logan. What's been the key to now getting on this uh, mini win streak and building some momentum? Yeah, um, just staying together as a team. Um, coming into every single practice, 100% locked in. Um, our coaches really emphasize just being locked in every single practice, which I think has been super helpful. You know, we're not overlooking any team. We're not underlooking any team. You know, we're just coming in every single day in practice, just ready to get after it. And um, I think a lot of the girls have been putting a lot of work outside of practice. You know, a lot of girls are in before and a lot of girls are in afterwards. And so I think everyone's work is, you know, coming out. And um, I think we're also all learning our roles a little better and chemistry is forming better as well. So I think that's implementing into our play, which has, you know, helped us get this two win streak and hopefully um, to be able to continue it on Saturday. Sure. And you may have partially just answered this next question, but you're nine games in, where has this team improved the most from game one to now uh, almost game 10? Yeah. Um, I think really just playing together. Um, the first couple of games, I think everyone was trying to figure out, you know, what their boundaries were, you know, what their leashes were, uh, their roles and whatnot. And so I think by game nine, we've kind of figured out, um, you know, where we're going to be on the court, what coach expects of us, what we can do. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. And then also just having a little bit more fun out there. I feel like um, the first couple of games, we were just so, you know, tense and anxious. And since we do have a lot of younger girls, um, I think that, that, you know, girls were stressed out about, you know, playing and whatnot and playing time. But I think now we've all kind of just relax a little bit, kind of know what we're getting ourselves into. And I think that's helped us be able to play more loose and have more fun out there. And what have you learned about your first year head coach, Amber, in nine games? Mm-hmm. Um, I love her. She's she's very, very tough. And I love that about her. Um, I think that she brings a confidence um, that all of us look up to for sure. She kind of gives us all confidence in ourselves as well. And um, I think she's just a great role model as a coach to, you know, look after. Um, she's hundred percent, everything she does, you know, as a mom, as a coach. So I think it's, it's good for all of us to look up to that and kind of see that she's not afraid um, of a battle and a fight. And um, I think seeing her take on every game and every win and every loss, um, you know, just ready to go. I think it helps us just follow after her, you know, so we have a great, a great head coach to look up to and to kind of take us all through the ropes with it. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. It is Jay Hill's moment as the new associate head coach and defensive coordinator. What's trending presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. The new associate head coach in place, Kelly Papinga, joining him. We'll start, obviously, with the huge story, and that is Jay Hill, a Utah man. Jay! Most recently, a Weber State head coach, joining BYU and Kalani Satake. What are your initial thoughts on the hire of Jay Hill as the new defensive coordinator? Great hire. Uh, I've wanted Jay Hill on the staff for a while now, and uh, 
If you can win at Weber State and in Ogden, you, you are certainly a great coach because he has done amazing things there. And Jay Hill, uh, as a former Ute, looks great in blue. I just first off want to say that. He looks amazing in blue. I love this Photoshop. I'm stoked about this hire uh, because here is one of the most talented coaches in the West, a guy that, whose name surfaces for every uh, group of five coaching opportunity that gets out there. He's bided his time, waited for the right opportunity, won and done an amazing job at Weber State over the years. Uh, nine years there, they've become a top 10 program, four Big Sky titles, six FCF playoff appearances, 10 wins in four of the last five, ranked as high as number two. They beat Utah State by 28 this year in Logan. BYU didn't do that in Provo. No. Like, you two teams held Utah State to seven points, Alabama and Weber State. How about that? <laughs> Jay Hill is a guy who has FBS head coaching material, and that's what you want as one of your assistant head coaches and uh, a, certainly a capable replacement for Ed Lamb, who did a nice job with SU and had one Big Sky title. Jay comes in with four. Jay was on the staff, as you mentioned, in headlines with Kalani for nine years. They know each other very well. Like Jay, Jay, Listen, Jay is a Ute, but now he's a Coug. Like he's the other Kalani, if you will, um, coming to this end of it. And he provides stability. He provides uh, recruiting acumen, uh, an incredible defensive mind. He called the plays as the D.C. at Weber State. Yes. And they were top 10, top 20 every year. I mean, for the like. last six seasons until the most recent season, he was the defensive coordinator. There. They were, he was great there. Former Ricks guy, uh, former cornerback that, well, that way. He, he smartly, uh, whether it happens this way or not, waits until BYU is a Power 5 team. He goes from FCS to P5. I mean, that's quite the jump. Obviously, BYU transition, interesting there. Um, I, I'm very excited about it. I, I think what he's done at Weber State, and, and for those outside of Utah, you might be like, what's the big deal from grabbing an FCS coach? He was one of the best FCS coaches, and he's a guy that's been at Utah for a long time. He was there in the Pac-12 with Utah as an assistant for the first three seasons. Yes, he was there. Then during... he went to Weber State. He was with Kalani yes. for a long time. I mean, he enjoyed Utah's initial BCS run in 2004, and then when they won the Sugar Bowl in 2008, and the move into the Pac-12. You want to talk about a guy that has a resume that is picture perfect to help BYU make the jump from independence to a Power 5 conference? He's been through it just like Kalani has, as you pointed out. And I maybe, love that. And maybe he was waiting for the Utah job, maybe, um, with Kyle Whittingham, because he played at Utah. That, that would be a rational thought there. Opportunity knocks in Provo. But, but I, who knows how long uh, Kyle's going to be there. And I, I think, honestly, um, Utah has become so big that maybe grabbing an FCS coach isn't the move they would go with, no matter how good Jay is. Does that make sense? They, they're, uh, they're a title contender now in the top ten the last couple of years, at least. So I think it's great. I, I think this is about as good of a hire as BYU could realistically make. Yes. Everybody's saying, oh, this is a home run hire. It's better than a home run hire. It's a grand slam hire. It's hitting for the cycle hire. It is fantastic. It could not be better for BYU, in my opinion, because of the credentials you just pointed out. And he comes as an accountability coach. Everybody loves Kalani. Kalani is the player's coach. He is the nicest guy. Sometimes probably to a fault. Love Kalani. He's all about love and learn. Jay brings in accountability factor. And not because Jay isn't loved or won't be beloved. All his Weber State players love Ultimate him. respect is what I'm talking about. I yeah. mean, they, he will bring just an air of confidence in a guy that's going to get the most from his players, almost like a Bronco Mendenhall uh, effect. Where it's or like, that direction. He walks into the room and you're like, oh, Coach Hill is here. 
you feel his presence in the room. And I love that. I love that he's going to bring that to BYU's football room with the accountability. He's worth every bit of the money. I know there are some numbers floating out there. We don't get the official numbers. It's but BYU, what, they don't have But whatever it is, and if it's as high as some Thank of the reports goodness, are saying. doesn't put out what employees no. make here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there would be a mutiny and it would help us. <laughs> I kid. But he's worth the money. He's worth every penny. And, yeah, he's a Rick's College guy, so just maybe, Jerem. Hey, the spirit he's coming, of Rick's is He's coming alive. home in a way. He's coming he's home. He's coming home in a nice. way. And I love the social media receipts that have been kept on this. When the news first started to leak out that maybe Jay Hill was interested in coming to BYU, and I think this was just the hearts of Utah football fans saying, no, he would never do this. He would never do that after everything he gave to Utah. And they're, they've been a Utah family. Oh, my goodness. Like, it is, it is a lot of fun to see what's happening now with this becoming a reality. Like, it's, it's almost unbelievable. And uh, our friend on uh, Twitter, at, it, it's Chappie. Like, he's a big social media presence. He's a huge Weber State Lives fan. Lives in Ogden, I think. Yeah, this morning he was like, oh, man, I don't know how to feel because he's a BYU fan <laughs> as well. He's losing his head coach, but he's going to BYU, so he's like, it's good and terrible at the same time. Yeah. This is such a great move for BYU. And I love that I'm Kalani sorry. and Jay are reunited now. And we have a, a scenario where there are essentially two head coaches in the building helping BYU go to the coach. Power 5 Big 12 That's scenario. what you want. Like, if, if you know, uh, Kalani ever got sick, couldn't make game for whatever, there's no problem. That guy is ready to go. Like, you, you want um, capable coaches. And they certainly have them. Now, I do fear that Weber State would want a Fessy Sataki as the head coach because I would love Fessy to still be here. Fessy They'd be is, crazy not to call him. Fessy's not going to be here forever, and Fessy's awesome. Okay, a couple other notes here. Um, I'll Venmo Jay Hill 500 bucks if he opens the press conference with the following statement. These have to be his first words. He can't say anything else. He's got to say this. <laughs> Drop eight is here to stay. <laughs> I'll Venmo you, Jay Hill, 500 bucks if you open the press with this. Also, I think the hierarchy of highest-paid employees of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has been shaken up today. Oh, boy. Number one is Kalani Satake. Number two, I believe, is Mark Pope. Number three is probably Jay Hill. Number four is Aaron Roderick. And 10,786 is you and I. (laughs) Here we are. Uh, By the way, in the release that BYU put out about this, they they mentioned that (laughs) that Jay Hill played for former BYU linebacker or coached with former BYU linebacker Kyle Whittingham mm, at mm. Utah. Former, that's, former that's well BYU done. linebackers coach. Oh, yeah. That's no, well done. It's, it's exactly how it should be written. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, you know, it's just BYU guys head coaching uh, here locally, and now Jay enters the Okay, point. so with the announcement of Kelly Papinga as well as yes. a special teams coach, yes. Jay's going to be calling the shots. Now we – look and see how he pieces together his defensive side of the ball. Yes. We know Kelly is in there somewhere. We don't know the following. Let's just walk through it. So we don't know Preston Hadley, uh, Kevin Clune, Gennaro Guilford. Gennaro anticipated to stay. Though, yeah, hearing, I was right? going to say, the way that Kalani talks about Gennaro, I don't, I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah. But we don't know about the other pieces on the defensive side. Yeah. For that matter, we don't know if everybody's staying on the offensive side of the ball. Right. There could be natural attrition in the offseason there as well. We'll see. So that, that to me is now, okay, you got your defensive coordinator. He's the guy that can bring in, at least reach out to who he wants. Now he picks Now he can guys. piece that together. Yes. One piece is in place with Kelly Papinga. Yep. We think Gennaro is going to be there. 
Who knows Certainly what else other names happen. being thrown out? And there. does BYU add an assistant coach because they are a Power Five program now? Do they throw in another spot? And some some places have that in the eleventh five a, and five, and oh. then the head coach is just the head coach. Well, that's what BYU had last year. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Okay, they've been running with that. So, um, but with yeah. E and Ed gone, now have you replaced them with Kelly Papinga and Jay Hill? Or now, it, now you yeah. can add another defensive uh, position coach if you like. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. We are waiting uh, for the official start of Jay Hill's press conference. As soon as it begins, we will take you there live on BYU TV and BYU Radio for at least 20 minutes of that. And then after those 20 minutes... You can go to the BYU TV app, BYUTV.org. Keep watching. Yes. We, we, we're going to go off the air uh, at 10.58. That's when the show ends. But you can keep watching on the app or BYUTV.org. You have to wonder, with him being announced today and it being official, how much will Jay Hill be involved in bowl game preparation, if at all? BYU needs that somebody be because question. they just lost Ed Lamb and Elisa Tuiaki. So well, I, Kalani's I, been running the defense anyway. And he's had Gavin Fowler helping out weeks. and Gennaro Guilford. They've had increased responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah, it's, we'll see. Kalani Satake and Jay Hill now addressing the media. This is the live press conference for the associate head coach and defensive coordinator. We will start um, from an opening statement from Kalani and then Jay, and then we'll go into some questions. All right. Thank you. Um, really excited for this moment. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I'm going to brag about this guy a little bit, but I, I, I'm, I'm excited to announce our uh, defensive coordinator and our associate head coach, Jay Hill. Um, Jay, uh, I'm excited to work with him again, uh, but he's a local product from Lehigh. So he's a Utah County boy and um, have, he played football at Ricks College, also played at, at Utah, um, was a cornerback and uh, played in the NFL as well, went to the Bills. And so... Um, Afterwards, became a uh, graduate assistant and uh, coach for Kyle Whittingham and, and Ron McBride and uh, Urban Meyer at Utah. And then I had the honor of working with him at Utah for nine years and, um, and uh, seeing the things that he's done there. And we speak the same language when it comes to, to defensive football. Um, saw the things that he's done when he went to after our nine years together, he, he left to be the head coach at Weber State. And uh, turn that, that that school into a perennial power in the FCS level, uh, going to the the playoffs, FCS playoffs, uh, six out of the last seven years, and um, he's done an amazing job there. And looking at his career, I've been really impressed with with what he's done. But I've seen it firsthand the things that he's done, the the the, the knowledge that he has on all three phases. He is a special teams guru in addition to what he does with defense, but also um, he has ex- experience coaching on the offensive side of the ball too. And so um, bringing all that experience and, and all that knowledge here to BYU, I'm really excited about. Uh, we are really fired up for the opportunity to, to work together again. And, and um, uh, you know, we're friends. And so uh, we've been able to stay in contact throughout our years, even though uh, we had been apart for nine years. He, uh, he and I have been being able to stay in contact and, and, and still uh, develop our, our friendship. Uh, my wife, Timberly, and I are really excited. Our children, we're really excited to, to welcome uh, Jay Hill and his wife, Sarah, his daughters, um, Ashton, Elena, and Allie. Ashton, soon to be BYU graduate, and then his son, Jacob. We're excited for them to join our family, and it's my honor to introduce our associate head coach and defensive coordinator, Jay Hill. 
Well, thank you, Kalani. I am super, super excited to be here at BYU. Um, it's kind of weird to come back. Uh, as Kalani mentioned, I grew up in Lehigh. Uh, my parents went to BYU. I grew up a BYU fan. And uh, I remember as, as a child going to football games in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I remember going to basketball games regularly. My dad was a basketball fan. We'd go uh, regularly to the Marriott Center and watch BYU basketball games. Uh, I remember having posters of uh, BYU players in my room hanging up. So uh, it, it's kind of weird how life brings you full circle in these situations like this. I'm super excited to be back. Uh, the football in the state of Utah is something that's always been super exciting to me. Having played at Utah, coached now at Weber State. Um, like I say, grew up playing here locally, high school football. Uh, it's always been my passion. It's something I'm excited about. Uh, even when you're at the University of Utah or another school like that, the admiration that we had and the respect we had for BYU is big. And I know I know this is a place where we can play high-level football. They've done it consistently through Kalani's career. That was something very intriguing to me. And uh, I'm excited to just see what this can become because uh, I think the sky's the limit. Great. Thank you both. We will start with a question from Jared Lloyd. Jay, how, how tough of a challenge was it to decide to, to move into this role from your previous role where you'd had so much success? Just curious, you know, how, how hard was that to, to, to make that choice? Well, it was extremely difficult in that at some point you got to go tell your team that you're moving on. And those were players that I loved. Those were assistant coaches that had given their their lives to us. And um, so to to make that change was difficult. On the flip side of it, it was easy in that the opportunity to work with Kalani again and my respect with for him and his program that he's built and everything I believe in what he's doing here um, made it much easier. And I believe in in everything BYU's doing, the direction they're heading. And I, I just that the excitement of what we can continue to build is that, that that's exciting to me. That's uh, kind of what drew me to this opportunity. John and then Brett. Jay, uh, lo looking at the situation you're coming into here at BYU, you're, you're joining the program just as BYU is entering the big 12. You already went through kind of a similar transition when you were an assistant at Utah helping the youths when they were joining the Pac-12. What, what have those past experiences kind of taught you about this process and, and uh, how you're going to approach uh, helping BYU go into the Big 12? Well, I think it's awesome, right? It's exciting for the fans. It's exciting for the coaches. Uh, super exciting for the players. Uh, the level of competition is going to be absolutely outstanding. Uh, like I said, that's one of the things that was so intriguing about coming to BYU is this transition into the into the Big 12 is exciting and it's fun, right? Uh, Kalani and I both got to go through that uh, when when Utah did it. It's uh, something that we're both familiar with. Um, it comes down to coaching as hard as you can, having great players, which I believe we have, and and uh, just giving it your all. And uh, I, I know this too. It's going to be super exciting for the fans. Brett, go ahead. Uh, yeah, Jay, um, you've you've had opportunities to leave Weber State before, um, including to go back to your alma mater. Um, 
what can you say about I have two questions? What can you say about the, the timing and the opportunity of this particular moment that you felt was right for you? And then um, maybe if you can encapsulate uh, kind of your time at Weber State and what, what that has meant to you and your family. Absolutely. So again, I think it goes back to Kalani and what he's built here and the unbelievable program that they have here and everything that administration has done at this institution to to build what they have. I mean, that's exciting to me. And that played into the timeline of, you know, just me making this move. I also felt like we had accomplished so much at Weber State uh, for nine years. My wife and I and kids had put in our blood, sweat, and tears into that program, built it into something that I felt was self-sustainable now. I believe that that program will continue to get better. Um, it was the next venture in life that I really felt like we needed to take. And it's, like I say, this change is exciting for me. And um, it was the right time and it was the right opportunity. And I, I can't overemphasize enough just that Kalani was a humongous part in that timing and being able to work with him again, being able to work with Fessy and Steve Clark and some other coaches that I'd already worked with before in the past, uh, reuniting is is exciting to me right now. Jake and then Mitch. Yeah, Kalani uh, reports out there that you guys are going to be competing more financially than you ever have before. How important was that to you to be able to attract a guy like Jay to Provo? Yeah, they just um, going into the Big 12 conference, uh, it's, it's about taking care of your program, but also taking care of your players. And uh, you, you have to do everything you can as a program to to function. And that means uh, attract high level players and also high level coaches. And that's uh, Jay's high level coach. I've been able to work with him in the past. And, and um, the things I talked about were all about his his coaching ability, but he, it's way deeper than that. Uh, he's a great evaluator and, and an amazing recruiter. I worked with him in recruiting. I, I'm excited to get back and and do home visits and official visits and all that stuff like we did back in the day when we were assistants. Um, you know, maybe it's just a bunch of old guys that are trying to act like they're young again. You know, go back to what we were doing back in the days. And but um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm really excited to have him here. He he's he's got this great. Um, I don't know how this presence that that uh, it's hard to really explain. He just has it, and and I know it was really hard for him to leave Weber State. I know a lot of players love him, and and they uh, admire the mentor that he has been to them. And same with that staff. I, I know that that was really difficult for him. I hope he knows how much we appreciate him making that decision to come here and join us, and uh, and, and he we'll make sure that he doesn't regret it. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Let's discuss the following question, Jerem. Is this against Utah Valley tonight? We know it's a little bit of a vengeance match, but is it a season-defining game for BYU given what has happened for the Cougars in the first nine contests of the season? Uh, I feel like the season-defining game already happened uh, with South Dakota, perhaps. Yikes. But if you, if you somehow rally and you beat Creighton and you beat Utah, you, you've sort of uh, come back to where we were hoping you'd be, which is interesting and not sure if this is a tourney team at the beginning of the year. Again, I'll say it right now, just as is, calling it straight up, this is not an NIT team right now. But the season's not over right now. we got plenty of ball left. So 
take care of business at home. We're BYU's 3-0. They played uh, two close ones. It's been a minute since they played at home. Christmas around the world. What's up? BYU went to Salt Lake last week. Uh, they played a bunch of neutrals. But here we are. Um, certainly need to win to avenge last year's loss. A lot of the guys on this year's team weren't on the team last year, so they, they don't know or maybe even care about that. But, yeah, show up tonight and win a game. And the, Really, the defining games will happen in January and February in conference. Yes, like, yes. If you can be the third best team in the WCC, eh, that's okay. I don't expect this team to make the tourney, so I'm not getting overly excited about UVU on a Wednesday. No, but if BYU finishes tied for third or third, like they were projected in the West Coast Conference preseason coaches poll, that's an NIT team. It would require an NIT resume, I think, to finish third in the West Coast Conference. Could, could be. Yeah. If you stink in non-con and then you work it there, you may not still make well, it. Well, and I'll say this. It doesn't define the season no. at all. It might define the non-conference, though. And by that, I mean if BYU does not beat Utah Valley tonight at home and they drop to 5-5, five and five, there's a chance they might be below 500 going in to conference play. Oh, yeah. Creighton, Utah's just outside the top And that is defining yeah. to a degree, right? It would define the non-conference if they lose tonight. There's an avalanche, avalanche that's already happening, and it happened against South Dakota. That, to me, South Dakota would be a worse loss than UVM. So, there you go. All right. We had our fantasy basketball draft yesterday. Yeah. And a unique way to do it. We drafted two BYU men's basketball players, two women's basketball players, and then the fifth player is from an opponent that one of those BYU teams will face at some point during the week. So we got an early start with BYU yep. women's basketball yesterday, beating Utah State. Hey! Let's get to that update. I have a 52-37 lead going into tonight's men's game against Utah Valley. Here we go. After big performances from Nani Falatea and Rose Bubakar. They combined for 52. You had Lauren Nani Gustin. Had 30 parbs against points, assists, rebounds, blocks. Huge, two. right? Yeah. Lauren, Lauren Gustin put up 22. She's averaging 36 parbs per game, mm -hmm. so this was a... Uh, low contest for her. Perhaps Rose Bubakar took some of that from Lauren yesterday. Come on, Rose. <laughs> uh, winning's awesome. Whatever. Um, okay, I'm down 15. I'm yes. quickly going to make that up with no Spencer Johnson. I hate it! Yeah. I hate that Spencer Johnson is not playing I one. was surprised you took him. Well, I want him on my team. I want him on my team because I think yeah, he's going to be the guy. And He's out a while. I, I went off of a conversation I had with Spencer before the South Dakota game, but Mark Pope pointed out last night on BYU Basketball with Mark Pope Spencer's telling people one thing, and I'm hearing something entirely different from doctors and trainers. Well, that's what I tell people when you tell me something. So I need Gideon Spencer's George. Spencer's telling me something. I need Gideon George and the best basketball player from the University of Utah's women's side on Saturday to have huge contests. Rooting for Utes. <laughs> Rooting for Utes. Can't, I can't do it. Well, it's a Jay Hill day. In a way, we're... Not a Ute anymore. It's a cook. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. All rise and shout. It is time for What's Trending. Which takes us to what went down at the Marriott Center last night. BYU losing by 15 at home to Utah Valley. The Cougars now 5-5. Five and five. Is this rock bottom? We'll get to that in just a moment. Listen to what Mark Pope had to say following last night's head-scratching double-digit home loss. You know we got a lot, we got a lot of work to do. Um, we gotta we gotta really dig in and get better. It's not gonna be a overnight fix. Uh, this team still has the potential to, to grow into a really good team. We just have a lot of work to do right now. And um, the guys know 
uh, that right now we're not playing very good basketball and we just um, we got to dig in and and uh, and get better. That's 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 our job. Emotionally, how do you keep this team from going to a dark place where, where things can really get dangerous? Well, you you go to a dark spot when you lose. You just do. I mean, that's that's part of sport. Uh, for us, we're you know we're, we're you know we're, we're also not playing well, and so um, that is. You know, uh, with this new group and this really young group, um, we're going to have a little bit more fragility. But the one thing we do is we have unbelievable high character guys, and and they'll you know we're going to start early in the morning tomorrow, and and uh, you know we know that this is a, a long term fix. It's not an overnight fix, and and um, we're committed to, to finding ways to do this better. So we'll keep growing. You appreciate the honesty. Not a quick fix, long term fix. Understandably, Coach Pope and his team feeling pretty low right now. But how low? Jerem, is this rock bottom right now, having lost to Utah Valley and South Dakota back-to-back -back for BYU basketball? It's pretty bad. I wouldn't call it rock bottom. Uh, BYU has Creighton Saturday. That's going to be a tough one. Uh, toughest game of the season up to this point. And then uh, Utah the next Saturday. Western Oregon on next Thursday, by the way. If you lost to Western Oregon, perhaps it's worse. But honestly, <laughs> it would be if BYU... <laughs> BYU is struggling right now and playing some stinky basketball, but... That's not going to happen. They're going to beat Western. They're going to beat Western Oregon, just like yeah. they beat Westminster yeah. and so on. So it's it's Creighton that's going to be a tough game. Perhaps we already rise up like it did against San Diego State, but this team's in a different spot than it was at that point. Um, losing convincingly to Utah at home to me would be rock bottom. If you are then you know uh, below 500 Saturday, if you lose to Creighton, you get back to 500 on Thursday, and you go back below 500, lose to Utah. Now, if you beat Utah who just beat Arizona and Washington State, um, had a good week last week. They're just outside the top 25, top five out or whatever. That, that could sort of uh, bring you back to a place of confidence, uh, which is what we hope happens for BYU. But it's not looking great uh, because BYU – so the answer is no to answer the question. Um, no, not rock bottom. I'll go into some of the issues I, I'm seeing and, and what you're seeing as we discussed last night on the postgame. But it's not rock, rock bottom quite yet. It, it could be – surprisingly, uh, it could be worse It could than be this. worse, yes. Yeah. I'll say this. I hope this is the bottoming out for BYU. Please. That it doesn't get any worse. Please don't get worse than this. So yeah. I hope that, in a weird way, it is rock bottom as it pertains to this season. Yeah, it could be worse. 100%. Just hope that it doesn't get any worse. BYU's not going to beat Creighton, most likely. And they'll get back to 6-6. Six and six. Who knows? Even they'll if they be a dog against Utah at home. To Utah, yeah. what, if they can manufacture wins against Lindenwood... And Weber State, which all of a sudden feels like a very scary game based on what happened against Utah Valley. Every game is scary when yes. you lose to South Dakota. Lindenwood is questionable, right? I mean, BYU Every was, game outside of Western Oregon, Spence. BYU was an 11.5-point favorite against South Dakota. Lost that game. Nine-point favorite against Utah Valley. Lost that game. Vegas doesn't have a good handle on this BYU team. No, no one does. Nobody right does. Now. Yeah, and it's fair. So even if BYU does lose, as they're going to be projected to be, to Utah and Creighton, no. Like, it's, it's as expected. Now, if they lose to Lindenwood and Weber State, then this sinks even further down uh, whatever pit you want to call this thing. But The it, net rankings and yeah, the pin-pom just... Aye, aye, aye. I said last night, I was trying to think of the last time that BYU was in this precarious of a position as a team. You probably have to go back to 2004-2005, which was Steve Cleveland's last year. That team went 9-21. and They didn't have an identity, really struggled on offense, didn't have an alpha. This team is not that team. And, and I heard comparisons. This might as well be 1996-97 with Tony Inc. No, that was 1-25. They've already won four more games. 
Okay. This team is going to win a handful of more games. They might be 500 when all is said and done. They're not going to be. I don't think. They're not going to have a losing record. No, I do not no. think this team will end with a losing record. No, I don't either. Yeah. So this is. It's bad. It's not that bad. This is not one and twenty-five. It's not nine and twenty-one. <laughs> but it is. It is a tough position, and the toughest position yeah. BYU's been in in the last eighteen years. BYU desperately needs some leadership. They miss Spencer Johnson in a lot of ways in perimeter defense, sure. in his ability to, to get a bucket, and Trevin Nell. Like those are your experienced veteran players, and both are out with injuries. That is factoring into this. That's factoring into the 11 for 59 from the three-point line in the last two games. Some of that. Because Trevin Nell and Spencer Johnson are two of the best three-point shooters and experienced three-point shooters on this team. No alpha. We've discussed it. Typically, to be great, like a great college basketball team, you need two guys, at least two guys, that when you need a bucket in the clutch, you can be like, okay, he's going to get it for me. You have to have at least one to be okay. That was Alex Barcelo last year. BYU doesn't have that guy on the floor right now. Last night, it was painfully obvious that they didn't know where to go when they needed a bucket in the worst way. Fusini Traore did what he could do, but he's not in a position where he can go get quick buckets. He's an 18 and 10. What more do you want him to do last night? 30 and 20? It's uh, a slow setup to get him the ball. Like, it just doesn't work. He's a post player. You need a guard that's going to be a bucket getter, and BYU doesn't have that right now. No alpha guard to go get a bucket. Really tough. And then it just kind of starts to look like what the media often calls hero ball. You know, just a lot of one Well, hero ball is great if you have a hero. There's no like, alpha. Like the NBA is hero ball because those guys are extremely skilled one-on-one. There's no alpha yeah. on the guard line, and that is very different than what BYU has had on the floor in the recent past. BYU yeah. has had a wealth of heroes on the guard line in the first three-plus seasons for Mark Pope. Well, Nothing. it's been rows on. Yeah. You've always yeah. had two guards that you could trust. Not the case right now. It's tough right now. Yeah. I, so, I mean, the question is, where do you go from here? It's a, and, it, and Mark Pope, I don't think he knows. No. He, he said, this is not a short fix. You, this is a long fix. You have the guys you have. Um, so Get Spencer I, Johnson healthy? I see four issues. Well, it's going to be weeks, it sounds like. Okay, I see four issues. BYU's not skilled enough. Just clearly, uh, to your point, they're not skilled enough. I don't think there's a guard right now on the roster that is as skilled as Alex Barcelo, TJ House, Jake Tolson, Brandon Abritt types. Those are great players. And listen, Rudy Williams and Jackson Robinson and Noah Waterman has shown us some real flashes of brilliance. The consistency is not there. Unfortunately, those three haven't been as good individually and collectively as we were hoping to this point. It's not all on those three, but certainly they were brought in to make an impact in the rotation in kind of the top six or seven there, and they've started multiple games. How, how desperate is BYU right now? They started two freshmen last night. They just, let's mix it up. Down hall, what can you do for us? Um, you know, Dallas struggled from the field, two for 12. Richie Saunders didn't score in the game. That was tough. That was a tough showing. Certainly the first start of perhaps many in their BYU career. We'll see. Um, T. John Lucas, Rudy Williams, Jackson Robinson, quality players. They need to, they need to elevate their game, right? T. John was good. I think we're hoping he was very good uh, last year. Injuries certainly have played. Uh, that's number two into this. Uh, Spencer Johnson, Trevor Nell, as we mentioned. New scheme, by the way. This takes time to implement and be effective at. Still figuring it out offensively, defensively. Well, and when you're doing that with a roster that's turned over year after year with the transfer portal, Every it gets year, even more difficult. And, and to any incoming person, it's their first year in that scheme, even if you kept the scheme the same. It's just, it's just hard. And then leadership, yeah, who's in charge of the group? Who's the alpha? Remember, this is the first season in set of games without Alex Barcella for Mark Pope. Alex's always been a good leader. He's kind of that number four three years ago. He's the number one. The alpha, clearly as a leader and the most skilled player on the team in the last two years. 
Now that he's not there, Rudy Williams was expected to fill that void. It has not been what he or the team or the fans were hoping up to this point. We're only about a third of the way through the regular season, but feels like BYU has told us who they are, yes. like we've talked about in we, football. We know who they are. And they played close games against uh, Idaho State and Missouri State, and we uh, refuse to believe that that team was close to those teams in margin. Uh, those were anomalies. No, now they're not, right? Um, you lose to South Dakota and Utah Valley. This is tough. This is tough to watch because there's a high standard here. BYU is expected to be uh, competitive in the WCC, at least sniff the tourney a little bit. If you don't make it, like last year, you at least make a little run in the NIT. That's sort of the program standard. Every now and then, you have a season like this. And honestly, that's okay. Because you can't every year be in the tourney as a program like BYU, and you can't every year be yeah. good to very good to great. There are, there are 2017s in football, but it got you Zach Wilson. Like, it was worth it because he had 20 and 21. 22, you take a step back. It wasn't a losing record, no bowl game. You have a shot at eight. You know, you at least got seven. You have to, you go through these spells. You don't want it. You want to reload and recruit and da da da. And you're always good. Everybody has a setback. Sure. Even Alabama, who only lost two games, didn't make the playoff. This year's like a disappointment for them. Like that's a whole nother level. It happens. It stinks. I hope BYU figures some things out. No, this is not rock bottom. BYU's got two of the next three. D1 games are really tough for the Cougars. They, and, and it's a, at this point, and I always talk about this, I want the present to, everyone always pushes forward. I go to church, sometimes it pushes forward. I'm like, what about right now? What about right now? Um, and in sports, you want to win right now. If you're just going into the Big 12, that's this why now it's, becomes... That's why it's more panic for most fans. Because it's like, oh, if we can't do this My now, gosh. what does the Big 12 BYU's look like? BYU's bad right now. What's going to happen next year yes. when every game is hard? Sure. I want to I want to emphasize the point that Robbie McCombs put out online, which I think is important in the big picture conversation. And when you lose a bunch, you start to pick at things. Getting the best talent who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I think needs to be emphasized more. Robbie was making this point last night. I agree. For foundational pieces, the transfer portal is a huge part of what college athletics is, especially in football and men's basketball. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending, presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Today we discuss immediate impact. Jay Hill as the new associate head coach and defensive coordinator hoping to have just that. He told us this yesterday about his defensive scheme. Well, I, I've never been a guy that sits back and wants to bleed a slow death. That is not me. Um, I refuse to do that. I will blitz. I will put every guy at the line of scrimmage rather than just sit there and let people pound us. So th that's not my philosophy. Now you got to have the right guys to do that. but. Uh, that's where the attacking comes in is we will try to get them in second, third and long situations, put them in uh, situations where they got to throw the ball on third and long. And then that's usually when people make a lot of mistakes. Uh, we try to confuse quarterbacks with our coverage, blitzes, the different things that they have to see. You know, some quarterbacks don't mind playing against drop eight and some quarterbacks hate being blitzed and others don't mind being blitzed, but they hate throwing into coverage. And, you have to do a good job of going in and assessing who you're playing. And if you don't have the ability to be multiple and all those things that you just mentioned, then I think it gets hard to be elite. Some key words there, attack, multiple, confusing. Jay Hill 
BYU fans hoping and expecting to make an immediate impact. Jaron, my question for you. Said the E word too. Where will elite? Yes, you did. <laughs> where will we see an immediate difference with Jay Hill taking over as the defensive coordinator for BYU football? Hopefully, immediately we'll see it all over the place. Now, the first two games, we're not going to be able to really know. It's going to take uh, half of the year to really assess that because BYU is going to play some opponents uh, it, it should beat early on, right? In uh, what, Southern Utah and Sam Houston State? Then you go at Arkansas. Even after that, you don't know. It's going to take a minute. So I don't know that we'll know much immediately. But in year one, um, I'm hoping to see everything go up because BYU's defense has not been very good this year. Um, there's going to be more risk. What he's saying is we will take more calculated risks. And with that comes certain rewards, right, of increased havoc perhaps. But also big plays may be given up in that risk. So just prepare yourself for that because BYU has been very comfortable with a bend-don't-break sort of philosophy at times. Now with Kalani Staki taking over, play calling the defense in the latter part of the season, we've seen more uh, dynamicism, more exotic stuff with BYU. Simplicity is good a lot of the time. But I think because BYU is being ineffective in that simplicity, people got weirded out by it, and then you want more blitzes. Blitzing every time doesn't work. Dropping eight every time doesn't work. In fact, Kelly Papinga had this to say that provided a little more context to what may happen next year. Yeah, I just I think that you have to have different tempos, and it doesn't matter. Um, and every game is different. I just heard Coach Hill just say the same thing. There's some games where you're going to want to drop eight. There's some games when you're going to want to pressure. I think the best thing is having a scheme where you have different tempos. You have to. You got to be able to drop eight. You got to be able to rush four. You got to be able to rush five. You got to be able to rush six. You got to be able to do it all. And so, just, you know, from what I know of their scheme that they've done for a long time, I know they do that um, shooting the scheme. I just came from at Boise State, what I did for a long time with Bronco. That's what, where we were the most successful is when we were able to bring different tempos. And really, it's just you've got to be able to pressure and confuse the quarterback at all times. And that happens in all different tempos. So if you just sit there and rush four the whole entire game or bring five the whole entire game, like the quarterback is going to know. You drop eight all the time, right? So it's just you have to be able to change it up as the game flows and be able to keep that quarterback just guessing. And just, you know, that's, that's what I'm used to over the years. And I know that's what Coach Hill's used to. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to learn this new scheme that I've always wanted to know more about, just, you know, going against it you know, from, you know, the time at Utah that those guys have had. So I'm anxious to get, be able to learn that. But uh, what I do know, there's going to be different tempos and the quarterback is not going to be comfortable. And uh, that's what I'm excited about. It's going to be different. And uh, it's going to be more, as Jay Hill said, more of a Kyle Whittingham defense. So uh, put, does anybody, put, does any BYU fan have any issue with that? Utah's defense is great. It's always really, really good. So I'm cool with that because, listen, BYU's offense the last couple of years has been Pretty stinking good. Um, so if you get a good defense in there, now you're talking about nine-plus wins. Now you're talking about being in the upper half of the Big 12, which is the goal of the next couple of years. Okay, so different tempos. And Kelly Papinga's final sentence in that clip we just heard is probably my favorite. The quarterback's not going to be comfortable facing this BYU defense. It's a slow build. It's, it's hard to know. Like, we, we want immediate change right now. Like, yeah, we want BYU right to be an elite defense yeah. immediately. He isn't calling a Do it. game until uh, September. No, it's a slow build. And it's going to be probably a couple of years, if not three years, before Jay Hill and Kalani have exactly who they want in this new scheme and system that they are going to run. 
So I would encourage everyone to be a little bit patient, but that doesn't mean we won't see some differences. The attacking mindset is something that I think we will immediately notice, how aggressive BYU is rushing and blitzing the quarterback. And to your point, that's going to result in BYU giving up a few more big plays. BYU's been really good for the most part in the last three years at not giving up like huge plays. This year they had some setbacks, but the previous two to three years, BYU was really good at keeping everything in front, not giving up huge plays, not giving up those explosive 30-plus plays. And I think that we might have a few more of those, but we're going to see an uptick in quarterback sacks, quarterback hurries, certainly the number of blitzes that are run, the way that the blitzes are, are being packaged and presented. We will notice that immediately. How the competition handles those, that's different because BYU is going to be awesome against Sam Houston State and Southern Utah. Yeah. And then we'll see that first real challenge against Arkansas. So slow build, but we will notice some schematic changes immediately. Here's where I think Jay Hill is already making an impact. And he's been on the job, what, two days now? Two days. Two days? Yeah. In the homes of recruits. BYU's trying to close out some big-time recruits right now. And on social media, it feels like because of the Fano situation – BYU has gone into this really bad place with football recruiting. Well, I can tell you last night, and I can't get into the specifics because we're not allowed to do that in terms of who the players are and uh, some of the specifics that were said, but I'll tell you this much. Yeah, just the name. He closed out a big-time four-star recruit last night. He sealed the deal already on day one on the job. We love ceilings around here. Okay, yeah, we do. We, we love, love promises. It. We love two-way promises. <laughs> he sealed the deal with a big-time four-star recruit in-state here already. And I heard from said player's father and said, I haven't seen somebody recruit my son this way ever through this Including whole Including the BYU coaches. Through this whole process. It, it is a unique thing. Well, there you go. And we immediately bought into how genuine and how like passionate – and almost in a way stern that Jay Hill was. And his message, his message yeah. was simple, you know? Like, it just, like, come to BYU, get better, and we're going to attack. And uh, it just, bang! So he's already making an impact in recruiting. And he told us yesterday, we've got to get the recruits in state. Yeah, and he's done a great job at Weber State with that. Like, um, okay, so I want to break down some numbers that I want to see better next year. And this year they were so bad. All okay, of the let's above? Talk, let's talk about it. Yeah, i got to grab <laughs> Everything? it. Everything? So, sacks. Uh, 130th, second worst in FBS. Success rate, that is, you, get, you, you don't allow 50% of what's left on, on you know, first down, second down, and so forth. Uh, you know, eighth worst in the country. Uh, sack percentage, uh, 12th worst in the country. Third, third downs, your bottom 13. Fumbles recovered, only four this year, like more of that. Yards per play allowed, 104th in the country. Yeah. Interceptions, only seven. All these numbers uh, can go way up. And we're hoping, you know, BYU's a top 65 defense is, is sort of the hope next year. Now, going into the Big 12, it might be like, well, maybe top 80 does it. Yeah, <laughs> because, I'd, take, I'd take top 75, top 80. Because next year, the goal isn't to win the Big 12 realistically. Teams should have that goal. But for me, it's make a bowl game. We just don't know how hard this is going to be. We know it's going to be difficult. We don't know when the bye week is. We don't know who we're not playing. But if we played the nine easiest teams in the Big 12, it's still going to be difficult. If you could somehow pull off five and four in league in year one, 
Fantastic. Amazing. Now you're talking and, about seven wins. And keep building. Now, Utah went into the Pac-12. Granted, G5, BYU's had a better ramp up than, than TCU and, and Utah did in that stark contrast from G5 to P5. But if BYU can make a bowl game and they can be competitive and they can be interesting, like I'm not going for eight and four in the regular season. I, literally, like give me six and six and keep building. Utah went eight and five that first year, but then they go five and seven. And Two I believe five and seven again. Two years in a row. It, it was hard, right? It took them a decade to get to where they are now, which is back-to-back -back, uh, Power 5 champs in that league, which is really impressive and hard to do. I'm hoping that BYU could have a similar track. Like, if you told me, okay, it's going to take a decade, but yeah. BYU then win two, wins two Big 12 titles, I would say I'd take it over play it out. Because it's hard to win a league like that. It really is. And the Big 12 is uber competitive. This year, we saw that there's no cream puffs. Like, Kansas used to be the laughing stock of the Big 12 in football. They started 4-0, struggled down the stretch, but they made a bowl game. They're in a bowl like, game. Like, that's not just a win now. There's no game where BYU goes into the Big 12 next year where we go, that's a win for sure. Like, when have we done that in league play in the history of BYU football where there's not a game where you can say that? So it's going to be hard, but I'm excited about what Jay Hill is offering. I believe what he's saying because I, I believe that any coach, Spence, can get hired and say, in basketball, we're going to go up-tempo, and in football, we are going to attack. Those are easy words to say. But he has proven it yeah. at Weber State. He has proven it in his time as a position coach at Utah. And now he's got the biggest opportunity of his life at a Power 5 school next year. The way he talked about the BYU defensive line yesterday and his approach for the defensive line makes me feel like he's going to spend a lot of time really recruiting that position in the transfer portal this year because BYU has an immediate need on that position front. And to develop the guys within there. Yes. Perhaps there is some of that because it's easier to do that than it is bring somebody in. Go to you the, need both. Go to the transfer portal, yeah. find a couple of guys, develop your dudes here, and then hopefully there's a BYU uptick in havoc rate and in getting to the quarterback, not just with the linebackers, but with those guys up front. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We welcome now into Studio B for the first time as a BYU coach. Jay Hill. It's Ashton's dad. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good to be in here with you guys, with her. It's uh, been a whirlwind, but it's good yeah. to be here. I was yeah. just going to ask you, how would you explain, let's say, the last 72 hours of your life? Um, crazy. It was, uh, it was exciting in a lot of aspects. It was fun just to, you know, get down to the nitty-gritty with Kalani and, and uh, coming here, telling your team that you're leaving is extremely difficult. Mm. And the guys that you grew to love and everything about that program and what we'd built there to leave it um, is hard. And then I came down here yesterday and it was so exciting and, and you're rapping or you're trying to get going on everything here and then I had to go back up there late last night and get my office packed up. And um, it, so it's kind of gone back and forth, bittersweet, but super excited about everything here and and what this place is. And that commute's going to be uh, fun for a little while, I assume. <laughs> Especially if it keeps snowing. Like, Jeez. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Okay, you mentioned it in the press conference, uh, and we showed it yesterday, but um, you invested heavily at Weber State. To be there nine years meant a lot. Um, what, what did it take for you to, 
to make that decision because I know it was hard, having put in so much there and had so much success, but here comes this opportunity with BYU. Well, I, I think this profession's still all about the people, and that's what made it hard, right, is I had a group of assistant coaches that I absolutely love that have given their all to me and to the program and everything that we were building there. The players were exactly the same thing, that they had just given so much to us. So to leave it is hard. To leave those guys that you care about so much um, is difficult, but it's part of the profession and it's it's what we needed to do for our career and it was something that we felt strongly about coming here and going into the Big 12 was super exciting. Being with Kalani and Aaron Roderick and Fessy and Steve Clark and all those guys that I've worked with before is super exciting. So uh, it made sense and uh, we're geeked to be here. Kalani and your relationship with Kalani obviously played a huge part in all of this. And I know Kalani, he likes to joke and, and I'm sure through the years he's like, hey, How's it going, man? How are you doing down there in Ogden? So at what point in this timeline did it change to where you're seriously considering what Kalani's putting on the table? Well, I think it's always those uh, conversations that, are, that you're having where we kept a close relationship, but jobs were never mentioned. Um, working together at some point in our careers again was always um, something that could happen. We knew that. Uh, but the reality was this thing really never took off hard until the last couple of days. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to say, I've, I've got some Weber State friends. I, I grew up in Clinton, Utah, Yeah. Okay, in, <laughs> in the shadows of Weber State, yep. that are feeling mixed emotions right now because they're BYU fans and Weber State fans. And so they're like, it's terrible for one program, but it's very exciting for BYU. How, how do you manage um, yeah, those emotions as you push forward and, and, and dive into one entity and, and kind of just end the chapter? Well, one, I hope and pray that the right guy gets put in place at Weber State and that the program continues to get better. That's one thing I hope for. Uh, but uh, I need to focus 100% of my time and attention and everything that we're doing now here at BYU. There's, there's the players, there's the coaches, there's everything that needs to go on in recruiting. Um, our focus and attention needs to be here. I was intrigued and delighted to hear that you grew up a BYU fan. Didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> you end up obviously going to Utah, playing there, coaching there, and so on. And, uh, you know, we got to know your daughter, Ashton, who worked here. She's in the studio. What's up, Ashton? Um, and we were like, oh, we got Ashton to BYU. This is yeah. cool. We love Jay Hill. What softening uh, of the sort of <laughs> BYU-ness did Ashton play in this in the family? Well, she did, right? I mean, uh, just her being here and the education she received here and all the exciting things that happened here at BYU Sports TV and everything um, that she did here. I think that there was a softening process there. And thanks, Ashton. We appreciate it. Yes. Yes. Thanks, Ashton. Um, but bottom line, um, it's something that we've always been familiar with. I mean, even at the University of Utah, you're not that far removed from BYU. Sure. I mean, you're playing each other every year, and the competitions that were going on when I was there were always real. And it's like it's not like you were ever that far removed from it. What's agenda item number one for you? Because you say you dive right in. So, like, what's at the top of the list for you right now? Um, getting to know the players that are currently here. They deserve that. Uh, giving them the chance to feel like they really, in one way, get a fresh start. Um, I'm not going to hold anything against them, what's happened in the past, or give them the credit for what's happened in the past. Everyone's going to get a new start. Every, there's going to be tons of competition. I'm going to expect that. 
uh, but getting to know them will be big. And then I guess one B right under that would be, we got to get going on recruiting, making sure we have the best possible talent possible because we're going into a new league as everyone knows, and it's going to be very, very competitive. Uh, yesterday there's the press conference. Kalani last night is uh, with a high profile tight end in Arizona. I mean, you got to get out there. You've invested heavily in the state of Utah. What is it about the state? We've seen the talent grow uh, immensely, almost as much as the real estate in the state in the last 10 years. What has it been like for you to invest in that? And what do you expect in terms of reaping those benefits of those relationships? Well, I think that that's a critical part of recruiting. You got to take care of your own backyard and continuing to recruit the state of Utah will be big for BYU as it always has been. And Kalani's done a phenomenal job with that. Um, so yeah, we've invested in it. It continues to get better. The high school coaching in the state of Utah gets better and better. The caliber of player continues to get better and better. And now we'll say this, the competition in recruiting has got way harder. And we've got every team in the country coming to the state of Utah now recruiting. And so that's got harder, but I mean, that's part of it. We got to defend our own turf. Jay Hill, the associate head coach and defensive coordinator at BYU, is with us on BYU Sports Nation. You look good in blue, by the way, in that graphic. That's <laughs> Kalani, the first Kalani thing that stuck out to me. You look My great in blue. My wife was just making fair fun of what I was wearing. So, <laughs> <anyway>. <laughs> All good. We approve. We approve. Uh, the timeline for filling in the defensive group, because you announced that Gennaro Guilford's going to stay, and he specializes yep. with the cornerbacks. So there's questions about safeties and linebackers. Will there be multiple linebacker coaches, -line. defensive line yep. coach? When do you hope to have all of that in place? Well, I would say for sure in the next couple weeks, uh, Kalani and I will continue to work tirelessly on getting the best guys here that represent the program, that will do a great job in recruiting, that will take care of the players that are currently here, do a good job of teaching the schemes that we're going to install. Um, but I, I don't feel like you have to make this decision in the next day or two. We got to make sure that the decision we make are the right guys that are going to come in here and continue to build the program the right way. Um, yesterday on, uh, with Scotty G and Hans, you mentioned the following adjectives for the type of defense you want to play. Aggressive, attacking, confusing. What is it about those three that you love and want to put in? Well, I, I've never been a guy that sits back and wants to bleed a slow death. That is not me. Um, I refuse to do that. I will blitz. I will put every guy at the line of scrimmage rather than just sit there and let people pound us. So th that's not my philosophy. Now, you got to have the right guys to do that. But uh, that's where the attacking comes in is we will try to get them in second, third, and long situations. Put them in uh, situations where they got to throw the ball on third and long. And then that's usually when people make a lot of mistakes. Uh, we try to confuse quarterbacks with our coverage, blitzes, the different things that they have to see. You know, some quarterbacks don't mind playing against drop eight, and some quarterbacks hate being blitzed, and others don't mind being blitzed, but they hate throwing into coverage. And you have to do a good job of going in and assessing who you're playing. And if you don't have the ability to be multiple and all those things that you just mentioned, then I think it gets hard to be elite. There are a handful of former BYU guys, linebackers specifically, David Nixon, Brian Keel, Kyle Van Noy, all very excited, very public on their social medias about you joining. And they want to know, we're going to run a 4-3? We're going to run a 3-4? Uh, what do you lean toward in that conversation? Well, I, I think a lot of it depends on what's the offense doing. I mean, there's going to be times where we're in a three down, and then there's going to be times where we have to base everything we're doing out of a four down so that we can be a little bit more stout. One thing I believe, in the state of Utah, you can recruit great defensive linemen. And so why we wouldn't put four of those guys on the field doesn't make a lot of sense. 
if you look at BYU's roster right now, they have phenomenal linebackers. And so we got to get those guys on the field. So we've got to be able to be multiple. Uh, I would say our defense is base, based out of a four down front. And then with the ability, especially on third down, to be able to get into three down stuff and bring pressures from different angles and areas. But um, I know one thing, we got to bolster the front. We got to get playing with the big guys the way we need to play. And it's music to our ears to hear the talk about the D-line, because certainly that's been a missing piece, I think, over the last several years. BYU's had good defenses, yeah. but the biggest difference between Utah and BYU defensively to me is those D-linemen. So, uh, hey, I'm excited, Jay. Okay, with the Big 12, how much of a learning curve do you expect for BYU to have in terms of not only on the field wins and losses, but recruiting and what it's like in those states and sort of what those offenses uh, tend to do and whatnot? Yeah, I don't think that that's a huge learning curve, in my opinion. They've been scheming great defenses for years now, and they've been scheming great offenses for years now. Will there be a step up in talent consistently each week? Absolutely. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Jerem, start us off. Are you more concerned about BYU's three-point shooting or its opponents right now in men's basketball? The answer is yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm concerned about everything right now, yeah. but yeah, and I tweeted about it last night. 11 for 59 from the three-point line was just, I mean, over two games, that's hard to overcome, Jerem. At eight, 18%. Yeah. It doesn't help BYU's yeah. giving up 50% from the three-point line as yeah. well, but yeah, for me, it's BYU's inability to make threes. Yeah, and, and it's both, because if you don't make a ton, but you defend well, hey, neutralized, whatever, it's another part of the game that's going to win or lose you the game, but yeah, no, that's tough. It's, it's both. But I would prefer that BYU makes threes. Yes. Come on, what's the point yes. of all the gyms and the churches? Can't make threes. I know not all the dudes remember the truth. The annex. You always got an annex. You, you would Before the annex, they made plenty of threes. Tied everyone a Heisman without a uh, indoor practice facility. Sometimes it's funny that We've way. seen that they're capable. Yeah. We've seen that BYU is capable against sure. Dayton and Westminster back to back, right? Jackson and Noah got to lead the way there. There you go. Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark making news again. Told reporters last night that, quote, weed, the Big 12, Love to get into that fourth Pacific time zone and will at some point, will at some point rather, end quote. Which school or schools do you think he is specifically referring to? I think he's referring to if the demise of the Pac-12 ever happens, that obviously you want an Oregon, Washington, Utah, maybe Stanford, Cal type thing, right? The best of the rest. But if not, uh, Gonzaga yes. has certainly been discussed. I don't, yep. I don't know that you need, you don't need to add San Diego State. Um, would be interesting if you're like, well, this is the best option and we want to get into California or the Pacific time zone. Sure, but I don't think the Big 12 needs that. Yeah, the branding of San Diego State is interesting. It's a tough market because it's just yeah. a pro sports state and area. Yeah. There's just not a ton of juice for San Diego State. And even then, it's like just Padres. You know what I mean? Like. Chargers moved out of town. They're just busy. People want to go to the beach. It's all about and LA. Like, yeah, yeah, it's Hollywood. Yeah. Gonzaga is interesting because that is the community. Like it's it's the Western time zone, and Spokane is Gonzaga. Yeah. Like that that community would absolutely embrace it. So that's an interesting one for sure. So I'm I'm thinking he's referencing Gonzaga, but I mean there are always I think Pac he's 12, there are always Pac-12 Pac options. Yeah. All right, uh, <laughs> Cosmo. 
did it again last night on wobbly tables. I believe the first time it was three sets of tables. Well, he upped the ante and went to five stacks That's of tables. Incredible. And, Can you uh, imagine if he went off balance? I was looking at Blaine Fowler last night when this was happening, and he's like, I'm legitimately, legitimately nervous. Like, I, I don't want him to get hurt. How many more tables do you want to see him add to that stunt? Zero. Or are you good with that? Well, what I want to see, again, and I mentioned it before the break, <laughs> these, are the, these are like the Costco halfers, it looks like. What about the uh, what about the more secure stake center, like 38 feet below the stage tables? Just a wider base. A wider base, stable. yeah. Maybe now we go to six. I don't know. Cosmo's unbelievable. That's enough. Yeah, we we don't need to do another. That's stack. enough. You're, you're good. You're good. I don't want somebody to get hurt. <laughs> That's great basketball. That's enough. Grant, granted, he's, he's the now. mascot that skydives into Lavelle's yeah. stadium on a windy day. Like. Uh, unbelievable. Bill no. well, Kuyper is Jaron Hall. is the seventh-best quarterback at the 2023 NFL Draft on this latest big board. Blake Freeland, fourth-best tackle. What's more likely, Jaron returns to BYU or Blake Freeland is a first-round pick? Blake Freeland is a first-round pick. I wish that I felt more confident about Jaron Hall coming back to BYU, but if he's number seven among all QBs, according to Mel Kuyper, and we still tap Mel Kuyper as the draft guru, right? Is there anybody that has more credibility than Mel Kuyper? Has somebody no, surpassed him? he has him? the biggest platform with ESPN. Yeah. No, he's good. Yeah, so that means he's probably third, third fourth, fourth, fifth round. round kind yeah, of third to fourth round. It's he's seventh yeah. on the quarterbacks. I would say third to fourth round. Blake might be a second round. Like, if Blake truly is the fourth tackle taken, that's end of the first into the second round. Now, if Jaron fell out of the top 10 on Kuyper's big board of quarterbacks, then I'm like, okay, maybe he does come back to BYU. But it depends what he wants. He's making some good NIL money currently. What's worth it? He's been here a while. Does he have a degree in hand? Does that matter? It's all about fit, too. Like, if, like, a team, if a team loves him, like, and I happen to know the Indianapolis Colts are in love with Jaron Hall. They think he is the next Russell Wilson, younger version Russell Wilson. They, they think he's that guy. But they have Matt Ryan. Why would they want enough? You think of a better scenario? Learn from Matt Ryan for a year or two, and then you're the guy. Oh, that, learn, that'd be awesome. Learn from, from Sam Ellinger. <laughs> UCF, another of BYU's Big 12 future foes, tweeted a picture of its football filled with the new Big 12 logos on it. Mm. It looks beautiful. How long before BYU throws on the Big 12 logo? Wait, they aren't on now? I don't think they're on now because it's snowing in Provo. I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, hopefully in the spring, man. Maybe maybe spring spring ball throw them on there. Or do they debut them on July first when it's fully official? For for uh, yeah, hey, alumni game in the spring. Maybe it's there. We haven't shied away from throwing the logo on stuff already. That's true. Yeah, it's already on jackets. By the way, the Colts are gonna have a new head coach next year, so hopefully that guy and that group love Jaron. Yeah, this current group does. Yeah, yeah. Okay, would you rather BYU men's basketball beat number twenty one Creighton and Utah in basketball the next two Saturdays, or? Football beats SMU, if you had to pick one of them. I, I hate these type of questions. <laughs> I hate these. Because you want all of it. Yeah. I want it all! But the desperation that BYU men's basketball is feeling right now trumps what BYU football would gain in a New Mexico Bowl win. BYU's got a winning season. Like We're excited about Jay Hill. It's more about Jay Hill in the future than it is about the bowl game. It's more about the Big 12. Um, no matter what happens in the bowl game, we'll just go... Reset. It's like, basketball. We're, we're good. That's Men, an NES reference for the kids at home. Who are men's basketball to desperation tops the list. Absolutely. Which team has a better chance of upsetting a top 25 opponent tomorrow? The BYU men against Creighton in Vegas? Or the women against undefeated and number 15 Utah in Provo? 
I have no idea on, <laughs> on this one. It's really hard. Both teams certainly are going to be challenged by these ranked squads. I don't have a clear answer. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's a neutral side game for the men. Like, if it were a road game, like, easily. Like, oh, Vegas the, is our second home. The, the women, Utah's women's basketball team is so good. I don't care where the game is being played. Like, they would have been favored against last year's team. Yes. Yes. I, I tend to lean towards des like desperate, wounded animal BYU men's basketball. Like they might just like play just crazy, like energy and come out and do something nuts. Like this, this nuts is what Mark like Pope, make some threes. This is what Mark Pope does. Like he, just when you think he's down, like he'll go and like win like this crazy game, and you're like, whoa, oh okay, that's, I, that's what he does. I would love to see that. What he does? That's, that'd be awesome. Robert and I was announced yesterday as NC State's new offensive coordinator. Will he get a head coaching job one day? I don't think so. I think Robert and I found his groove as just an offensive coordinator. At this point, I mean, he's late, he's late in his career. So I, I think he's settled in nicely as an offensive coordinator. He's made millions. I mean, he's, he's doing just fine. Good luck at NC State. 16 years as an OC. It took Jeff Grimes a long time as a position coach to then become a, you know, I, I don't know, there's certain personality types. He certainly wanted the BYU job uh, after Bronco, didn't get it. But uh, yeah, maybe, I don't know. But Power 5 OC is a good gig. He's been in OC for 17, 18 16 years? years. 16 years. Wow. All right, with an eye leaving Syracuse for NC State, Syracuse has promoted our friend Jason Beck. Job Beck, please. please. As the new offensive coordinator. Will Beck eventually find his way back to BYU in some capacity? He's certainly a candidate in the future whenever that position opens up because coordinators come and go. And at one point in the future, Aaron Roderick won't be the OC and Job Beck's name will be in the top three. It's uh, Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty short list. If Aaron Roderick leaves, it's like Bessie Satake and Jason Beck. You know? And Andy Reid! <laughs> With the United States eliminated from the World Cup, who, who are you supporting now? The answer for me is pretty obvious. Oh, What's the motherland, that? England. Like, motherland. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm all in on England. They've, they've been jonesing for a World Cup title since 1966. It's coming home, they've been saying for a long time. A long time. How about this? A Division three college basketball this team, awesome. Grinnell, isn't that where the dude that scored 100 plus points played his college basketball? I don't remember. Same college Jack something was his name when he made like... I think it's his name's Jack It Up. <laughs> okay. They shot 111 three-pointers in the game and made 40 without attempting a single two-point <laughs> shot. They won 124-67. Unbelievable. Should BYU Hoops adopt this offensive strategy? <laughs> Not quite yet, but BYU puts up like 63 shots a game. 67's yeah. the season high. 111 shots in a game? 43s? Like you're shooting like seven <laughs> seconds into the shot clock every time you get the ball. Boost and Tiki are like, yes, let's shoot threes. It sounds great. 111 threes at 18 percent is what BYU's clip over the last two. So that, that'd be like BYU making 22 threes <laughs> out of but 111. It, but it wouldn't be enough. That's 66 points. That's not what, enough 20, to win. 20 threes. Yeah. It's not enough. No, they should not do that. Join the conversation 24/7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag #BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Keynote guest of our show today. We welcome him to Studio B and all of you back to BYU Sports Nation. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. Isaac, great to have you here. What's up, man? Yeah, yeah. whoever made that highlight needs a raise. You guys need yeah. to uh, I think it was one of our money. fantastic students. Well, you guys should start paying him more because he did a great job. <laughs> we don't it. dictate that. We just read <laughs> stuff. <laughs> 
A vote of approval from yeah, Isaac Yeah, stamp Rex. of approval from the Elk. He made me look pretty good in that. <laughs> yeah, in Strangely, you want that guy to get a raise after he made you look amazing. It, yeah, right? seriously. Yeah. It could have been well, one of our female students. Let's, let's, <laughs> well, let's paint it on it's Guy. It's true. Yeah. It's true. We'll find out. We have a lot of yeah. amazing we'll, women. We'll, do, we'll find out who did that. Yeah. Isaac, you know your bowl game opponent now. Yep. SMU in uh -huh. the land of enchantment. Yep. New Mexico Bowl. Okay. How are you feeling about the draw and the bowl game? I'm excited. I know a lot about New Mexico from Breaking Bad. Yeah, and Shrek. Better Call Saul, baby. Uh, I need to watch it. Don't spoil it. That's up anything, next. But I heard it's really good. Don't um, spoil always... it. It's a prequel. <laughs> well, I mean. There are still spoilers. So, I know, I know. You know. But uh, spoil it. No, I'm just kidding. But, I mean, I know about New Mexico. It seems like a great place, you know, from what I've seen on TV. But, you know, we made a bowl game, and that's that's huge for us this year, especially that, that stretch in October was tough, man. And so being able to crawl out of it and get back to – um, winning was huge for us, and we're excited to go to New Mexico. We're excited to play a really good team in SMU. I think they only lost to TCU by eight, eight or something. That was one of TCU's six games yep. by one score. Yep. yep, and so they're a legit team, obviously. They're in a good conference, and there's a lot of history with the, the Miracle Bowl and stuff. So, no, we're way excited to go down to New Mexico and play a good team. Yeah, what you want is interest in storylines, right? Yeah. But what matters to you with a bowl game? Is it opponent, the bowl itself, the swag you get, the weather? Um, well, I feel, yeah, the weather's huge, actually. So you loved Boca Raton? Well, I wasn't even there. I was in the hospital. So. Oh, that's <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't even actually in at the game. But oh, in, Shre in Shreveport. In Shreveport. Year. No, I'm oh, talking Boca, Boca Raton. Raton. Yeah. I, was like, I was like, didn't yeah, you catch yeah. a touchdown? No, 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 no. Touchdown. I was at Boca Raton. Shreveport, I was not there. What happened last uh, year? Remind me. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, well, I, I broke my leg, and so I was... Oh, of course. You were in the hospital. Sorry. I was in the hospital. Of course, against USC. But, Thank yeah, Shreve, uh, Boca Raton was awesome. That was good it weather. was such a good bowl, but we were only there for two days because of COVID, so it was basically like a normal road game. So we didn't even really do anything. Yes. I think we went to the beach once. But now we'll actually have like a fun bowl experience. We'll be able to do some activities and stuff. Um, but mostly the opponent, you know, we care about who we're playing. We're going to be watching a lot of film on SMU. We're going to be seeing their tendencies and how they play the game. And so we care more about that than pretty much anything. We could play wherever. I do remember that you uh, broke your ankle. <laughs> yeah. Be clear about that. <laughs> yeah, but you can get a lot of these things in the New Mexico Bowl. And I know some Cougar fans are like, oh, we want a bigger, better bowl game. It's like, that's 7-5. and five. You yeah. get what you get, and uh -huh. at one point you're four and five, yeah. and you don't know if you're even going to make one. No, exactly. So to make one and to play a team like SMU, who has an incredible offense, yep. this could be a fun game to watch. No, for sure. It, it could be a definitely fun game, and we're just excited to you know be out there playing one more game. And It's an earlier game. We don't have to wait until past Christmas or something. So we'll be fresh on our minds playing. We'll be practicing. So we're excited, man. Let's talk about how your role has evolved from the point you broke your leg against USC last year, getting healthy for this season, and then at sometimes, and this is me saying, it, it felt like you were a little bit lost in, in the offense, but then you kind of emerge again late in the season, you start to catch some more touchdowns. So how has your role evolved, and how have you worked through those frustrations? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the whole team was kind of lost at one point, and in that October stretch. Um, we obviously start off the year going four and one and everyone was feeling good, everyone was excited, but when you lose games, people start nitpicking things and they start saying, oh, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? And you know, winning pretty much cures everything. And so when you lose games, it's, oh, why isn't Rex getting the ball here? Or why isn't 
they trust in Jaron? Why aren't you throwing it to Puka? Stuff like that. And so it's just everything's heightened. And so when you when I hear like, oh, they're not using Rex at times, I'm like, yeah, but the reason you guys noticed because we were we're losing, <laughs> if that made sense, you know. Sure. And so um, hopefully we obviously want to get back to that winning so everything could have been cleared out and everyone's happy. And we obviously want to make the fans happy, but we want to be happy inside our own locker room too. And I felt like these past couple games have been awesome. And it's just been fun slinging the ball with Jaron and running the ball with Chris and, and Hinkley. And um, everyone's just been happy and um, enjoying playing football again. It's like, oh, when Jaron and Chris are uh, more healthy, things go well. Uh, that's crazy. <laughs> what a crazy idea. Yeah. And obviously Jaron's injury was a tough situation for us. He's our leader. He's our captain. And another Dame, he wasn't healthy. And that whole stretch of October, hurting your shoulder as a quarterback, especially th your throwing shoulder, I mean, I don't even know how you can play. And so there was a lot of guys that were banged up and, and hurting, but a shoulder for a quarterback is, is tough, man. So Jaron was a warrior, but that was actually a huge thing for us. We couldn't throw the balls effectively just because of Jaron's shoulder, you know? So tell us about Cade Fennigan and Soljay Maiava because mm -hmm. Jacob's in the portal. Um, hopefully Jaron is good to go for the bowl game, but if not, what kind of player is Cade Fennigan, for example, who has been hurt himself with an ankle injury? Well, if you go back to, I think, 2020, he played against us. Um, obviously, he was thrown in a tough situation. Their backup quarterback got hurt, who was my quarterback, uh, Jack Sears, in high school. Nice. Cade gets put in, and he does a good, relatively good job for what, you know, obviously we we blew him out, but he's a warrior, man. He's a he's a player, and he's a smart guy, highly recruited guy. Um, he's got a good arm. And then Sol Jay, Sol Jay, he's he's a runner, man. Like he can make guys miss. He's elusive. He's uh, he's like that old school Hawaiian quarterback, you know. That's just he'll run it, but he can throw it too. And so we're excited to if Jaron can't go to see one of those guys step up and. Nick Billups, too, is another guy that could fill that role. Bill Barr employee number one. Another right there, San Clemente man. guy, another SC boy. And so um, he can fill the role, too. He's similar to Sol Jay's. He has good legs and a strong arm. So we'll see what happens in these next couple weeks in practice. Isaac Rex is with us on BYU Sports Nation. We mentioned Jacob Conover. He's in the transfer portal, as is Terrence Fall, Campbell Barrington, uh, one of your tight end buddies, Dallin Holker, left early in the year. So mm -hmm. those four guys, we'll see if there are any more. How do those scenarios impact the locker room and the culture of a football team? Um, it's tough to see guys leave, but ultimately you got to do the best for yourself at some times. And I felt like Jacob and, and Terrence – and Campbell, I felt like they weren't, they felt like they need more playing time. And so I feel like that's a very valid reason for them to leave. Um, and no, I feel like there shouldn't be any resentment towards them. There's no resentment in the locker room, at least. Because guys understand this is a business now. We're, we're making money. There's an opportunity to, you know, build your brand. And if that means going to another place and doing what's best for you and your family, then you got to do it sometimes. And so maybe if you don't feel like you're getting developed, here, then you got to do that also. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of valid reasons to leave. I feel like um, the transfer portal is also weird because um, you see guys like like me and Dallin. It was fun. We were like playing with each other and having a good time. But um, he obviously felt like he needed to do the best that was for him too. And I don't have any resentment towards him either. But um, yeah, obviously Dallin was. 
he was a great player. He like had a bunch of catches the first couple games, but if you feel like you could do more or improve then and you want to leave, then that's what you got to do. And so um, we love those guys and we'll obviously get more transfers coming in. That's just how sports is now. It's basically free agency and college football. So it really is one time free agency. It really is one time. You can go wherever you can get acceptance yep. for maybe a second. Uh -huh. It's interesting. Um, against Stanford, uh, you're, not, you're now tied in receiving touchdowns career with Dennis Pitta. How much better are you than him in college, you think? <laughs> no. If you look at Dennis' stats, it's not even close. I'm sorry. Dennis. He was amazing. He, it was ridiculous. I looked up a stat and how many. He had like 1,000 yards in a year. Mm -hmm. Like a year is ridiculous in college football, especially for a tight end. You oh, don't yeah. rarely even hear that for a wide receiver, getting 1,000 yards in a year. So it's not even close. Dennis, Dennis is the way better player. And Fine. But – I, I know you guys have a little rivalry you got going a little on. Beef, you got you a know. little beef. Yeah. But he's moving down to San Clemente, actually. So yeah. he's, uh, we'll be seeing him a lot oh, more. Oh, great. He's another actually going <laughs> to. Another reason to like him. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love Dennis. He's actually a really cool guy. And he loves BYU football. Well, he has been living with his parents. Um, <laughs> what, what dude that had a $32 million contract, you know, that lives with his parents? You know, I, well, he's you know building a house, I think. Uh, right. In yeah. Southern I don't California. care what the reason is. So if you're building your own house in Southern you're California. You're a multimillionaire. You probably got to live with your family. You deserve to live with your family for maybe. <laughs> you can afford an apartment. Maybe a couple, Come like on, months, man. But he's fine. Yeah. Hopefully you'll be making multi-million dollars uh, here, here in the Hopefully. next couple of years. Uh, you and Lexi are expecting a kid. How's that, uh, how's that coming along? Yep. April, a little boy. Um, awesome, man. We're thinking basketball player. I married. I married up. Married tall. Okay. Married a volleyball player in Lexi. Okay. So you're just gonna meet player. in the middle with basketball. Yes, I think so. Okay. Football is a little, a little too tough on the body sometimes. I think, and we need some more, you know, tall shooters back on the on the BYU team. I feel like, and so, I'm gonna raise my kid to be a, a good, six eight, uh, power forward shooter. <laughs> It'll be a stretch four. Yeah, stretch yeah. four. Yeah, just yeah. shoot threes. Yeah, three, shoot three and threes. D. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's kind of how the game's evolved now, and yep. so. But, uh, yeah, we're excited. We, we can't wait. <laughs> a 6'8", stretch four. Or maybe even taller. The next Kelly Olenek. Yes. <laughs> Way better looking, though. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yes, for sure. yeah. That dude we can play, but he ain't a looker, okay? He has zero swag, too. It's just like ankle swag. <laughs> It's like ankle socks and basketball shoes, and he goes out and plays every day. Get some, get some uh, shampoo and conditioner on that, yeah. uh, on that lettuce. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. He looks like Cam Rising. <laughs> but Cam Rising, he, he balled out on that. Yes, he did. Hey, yes, look, he did. He's a baller, and we hate to admit it. Yeah, he, he's a baller. He's a baller. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Kalani Satake and Jay Hill now addressing the media. This is the live press conference for the associate head coach and defensive coordinator. Jay, you're inheriting a, a defense that's had some struggles this year. What's maybe what can people expect in year one in the Big 12 from that defense uh, going forward? Well, I promise from Kalani and from myself, you're going to get everything we have. I, I believe we have great scheme. I believe we have great knowledge in breaking down opponents. Uh, I believe there's great players here that put in the proper situations to be able to make plays and be successful. They'll do exactly that. I'm excited to get with the players and uh, share with them my vision and Kalani's vision of what this defense is exactly going to look like. Um, 
but yeah, I'm more than anything. I'm so excited to get going and get grinding away at high level, big time power five football and putting a product on the field that I promise the fans will be excited about. You're hearing from Jay Hill, the new associate head coach and defensive coordinator with BYU football, addressing the media officially in that role for the first time with Kalani Satake to his side on BYU TV and BYU radio. Let's go back for more of the press conference. Uh, you coach Hill, sorry. Absolutely. I do. Um, I think it's going to look very similar to what uh, Kalani ran when, when he was a defensive coordinator back at the University of Utah, and we worked so closely together on that. I think it's going to look a lot like what we ran the last couple of years at Weber State that led the league every year we coordinated it, uh, or I coordinated it in basically every defensive statistical category we had. It's going to look a lot like that. It's going to look a lot like um, the top-notch, uh, big-time defenses that you see in college football right now. It will be aggressive. Uh, there will be times we play coverage. There's going to be times where we blitz. There's going to be things that we do to keep the quarterbacks on their toes. Um, but do you, if you ask, do we have a vision on what this defense looks like? Absolutely. I promise you we're not coming in here blind. We know exactly what we got to implement and what it will look like. Hey, Jay and Kalani, I'm, I'm curious, how fast did this kind of come together? Was this a months-long process? Was this a weeks-long process? Uh, I'm curious if you kind of talk a little bit about that part. Our, our friendship's always been there, so we, we never stopped being friends, and uh, we've always been in contact. Um, and so, you know, that, that's just how it is. When 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 uh, Jay's daughter Ashton came to BYU, he he called me and Fessy and said, "Hey, you got to watch over her." And it just happens that I I got to see her a lot uh, with BYU TV, and so um, pretty easy, you know. So I, we've we've had this connection, as friends for for many years. Once we met, we're able to work together. Uh, that that's always been there. So the connections always been there. Uh, the communications always been there. And in, in regards to the job, um, obviously you don't have to mention stuff. You just know that I wanted to be respectful of, of him and his team, and he wanted to stay focused on on the playoffs and they're making a run. And uh, and I, I wanted to, I want to give him time to do that. So I didn't want to be inappropriate with our relationship and and uh, and force this on him. But once once the uh, season ended for him, uh, unfortunately for for Weaver. Uh, it was our gain, and I, I, I jumped to it as, as soon as I could and, and and try to get this done as quickly as possible. And I can, from my point, I can just say Kalani and and these guys were extremely professional about it. Um, you know, is the thought there that we could work together at some point? Yeah, that's been there for the last nine years. Um, but he knew that we had something we were still trying to accomplish in the playoffs. And I knew Kalani was busy with his own football team. So it's really been just the last couple of days that things went very quickly. And um, like I said, that's just the nature of how these jobs go at this time. Jared and then Jake. This question is, is kind of for both of you, just about the defensive staff already had an announcement about Kelly Papinga returning. What's what's the uh, the timeline, and how are you guys looking at uh, at at uh, evaluating the current staff and and kind of creating what what you're going to build with the the defensive staff moving forward? Okay, yeah. Uh, so it's already been announced. Obviously, Kelly Papinga. We're super excited about him, and that was an easy one for me because I got to coach against him when he was a player. I knew just how tenacious and what a tough guy he was. And then also when he was a coach, I mean, he developed some of the best linebackers in the last 10 years here at BYU, some phenomenal NFL guys. So that one was a no-brainer for me. Uh, we plan on retaining Gennaro Guilford. And then looking 
past that, you know, it's going to be Kalani and I evaluating the rest of the staff, evaluating who's potentially is out there and making sure we get the best fits for the program uh, on the field. That's going to be a big deal. Who's going to do the best job coaching the current players. And then also who's going to do a phenomenal job going out recruiting and then putting those pieces in place because uh, I mean, that's really what we do, right? Recruit, get the best players in here and then do the best job of putting them in positions to be successful. Jake, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Coach, uh, in, this I guess is for Jay, but Coach Hill, when it comes to getting the talent that you feel like you need to have to run the defense you want to run at BYU, do you feel like that's already on the roster or is that something you're going to have to address using the portal and recruiting, et cetera? I think that's a great question. And uh, I'm looking forward to assessing the players that are currently here. Obviously, they get the first right to anything we're doing because they're already here and they deserve that. But just know that this is a never-ending cycle in college football. It's recruiting never stops. And with the transfer portal and everything that's going on, it never stops. And so Kalani and I will work tirelessly to have the best players on the field, ones that the fans can be super excited about. But uh, we made a name for ourselves when we were young coaches and the way we recruited together and everything we accomplished and the big-time guys that we brought into the programs where we were at, we're excited about continuing that together and i'm excited about getting on the road and recruiting with this current staff because i i, I know what byu has to offer and i know there's going to be a ton of great players that will be excited about coming here matt and then mitch uh kalani this one's for you but how important was it for you to identify and get someone in place at the beginning of this transfer portal cycle yeah, I mean, transfer portal is part of recruiting. And so um, it's important for me to get, uh, you know, as many guys as we can uh, working. And 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 uh, the fact that we have Gennaro and Kelly and Jay uh, available to do that, that, that makes things a lot easier for me. Um, but I also know the, the type of uh, recruiters that they are and the type of workers that they are and, and the the mentors that they are to to their players. And so I'm, I'm really excited in, in all aspects of, of our program that, that we're we're moving forward and then that I, I get Jay here with me, you know, that uh, we just want to get this press conference over with and so go to work. And so I keep seeing all the hands showing up over here and uh, Jay and I just right now I'm thinking about stuff that we need to get going. He wants to meet with all the players. And so as soon as we get this done, we're going to get right back to work and, and get after it. Jay, when you mentioned earlier about getting on the road and, and recruiting, I'm curious, you know, what are some, recruiting areas or hotbeds that you feel you've got a lot of relationships with high school coaches, uh, just maybe areas of the country that you feel are pretty strong in, in your uh, recruiting background? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, as a head coach at Weber State, we focused mainly on the state of Utah. Um, that's where I've done the majority of my recruiting, even when I was coaching at the University of Utah. I think we first and foremost, you got to put a stake in your own territory. And then everything surrounding the state is critical. You know, Nevada, Arizona, California, the Pacific Northwest, those will be critical hotbeds that I feel very comfortable recruiting. And then uh, Texas as well, I think has got to be a piece. And then really, this is Kalani's big vision on where do we get guys. I know recruiting here at BYU is a little different. It's such a national brand that you've got to be able to expand it past that. But I think anything surrounding the state of Utah, I'm extremely comfortable with the state of Texas. Um, and really, those are hotbeds for any big, big time program out west.
Jay and then Kevin. Yeah, welcome, Jay. You can never have too many Jays around. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Just uh, wanted to clarify on uh, the, the other defensive coaches that have been on staff, Coach Kloon and Coach Hadley. Will they uh, be retained or will they be evaluated? Just what is their status right now? So that, that's a current uh, consideration still with Kalani and I and just putting the staff together um, that everybody's in consideration right now and just moving forward on exactly what that looks like. Um, yeah. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.